everyone. Welcome to the Faith Chapel podcast. We are so glad to have you join us. Faith Chapel exists to help people follow Jesus, be transformed by Jesus, and be on mission with Jesus. No matter where you are on your spiritual journey, you're welcome here. If you have any questions about who we are or what you hear, you can visit faithchapel.cc or email podcast at faithchapel.cc. We'd love to hear from you. All right, let's dive into this week's message. We're going to take a little break from our series we started a few weeks ago called Follow. Last week, I introduced this Teach Me journal. And real briefly behind this, these are available. Uh, It's a journey. It's an adventure that I'm inviting you to participate in. You can go through it at your own pace. We thought, okay, we have so much information in this world. What if we took four of the commands of Jesus and said, hey, let's slow down and for a month for each of these commands. So one of them is abide, one of them is rejoice, one of them is deny yourself, and one of them is pray. And what if we said, hey, for a full month, so the month of September, what if we just focused on actually abiding in Jesus? What does that look like? So I wanted to teach on that, and then I'll just do one week in the following months as we go through this journal. So abide, what does abide mean? Love the word. Well, this kind of comes out of the Genesis would be from John chapter 15. John chapter 15 is a passage of scripture that I bet I've taught out of more than any other. And here's why. It has been a passage of scripture which has, um, I learned this phrase from my kids, defined the relationship. Where in the midst of, like Christianity can become very, very complex. And as I read John chapter 15, it gives me just this clarity because Jesus is going to define his relationship with his disciples, his followers, and he's going to use this incredibly organic, incredibly simple, but also incredibly profound metaphor to describe what it means to be in relationship with God. He's going to use the metaphor of a vineyard. So... Here's why I find this helpful. Um, There is so much to explore when it comes to the Bible, when it comes to relationship with Jesus. Let me give you an example of that. One of my theological heroes is a German named Karl Barth. And I have tried to read through one of the, I've read many of his books, but his final thing, he actually died before he finished it, is Church Dogmatics. It's over 9,300 pages in 31 volumes. Okay, so if, if you bought Karl Barth's Church Dogmatics, it would literally fill a whole bookcase. And he just explores what he thinks are the essentials to understanding the Bible and the faith. 31 volumes. And he didn't even finish it because he died. That's a lot, right? So if somebody says, hey, I'm interested, maybe you're spiritually unresolved, you said, hey, I wanna know more about this, who is Jesus? I would not hand you with a forklift Karl Barth's Church Dogmatics. Because you'd be like, what? I have to know all that. Here's what Jesus does. He takes all the complexities and he boils it down to this organic relationship that we read about in John chapter 15. And if you're wondering who is Jesus and what does it mean to be in him, this is gonna answer some questions. And for all of us who have been around a while, what I hope is this brings us back to the profound simplicity of having your life grounded and rooted in Jesus and having the Father care for you. 
All right, let's read together John 15. These are some of the last words that Jesus speaks to his disciple. He'll go to the cross in a matter of just hours. I am the true vine. We're gonna explore in a few minutes why he uses the word true, not just the vine, but he introduces it. I am the true vine and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. You are already clean. So the word clean, there's a Greek word, katharizo, which means to cleanse. And kathite is the word for pruning something. So you cut off anything that's diseased or unhealthy. So you're already partially pruned or cleaned because of the word I have spoken to you. So Jesus's truth has the capacity to help um, get rid of falsities in our lives. Things that are untrue, our misconceptions about who we are, who God is, his words cleanse us. They give us clarity. Now here's, here's the word, NIV, NIV translates this as remain. Many translations are abide. I'll use the two interchangeably. And you'll notice this word is going to be repeated, if I'm not mistaken, 11 times. Remain in me as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If you do not remain in me, you're like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire and burned. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. This is to my father's glory that you bear much fruit showing. So this is not just some philosophical ascent where I agree with the teachings of Jesus. He says, there's something about this real dynamic relationship with Jesus. When you remain in him, when you abide in him, you actually show that you're his disciples because things start happening in your life that never happened before. Jesus calls that fruitfulness, showing that yourselves to be my disciples. As the father has loved me, so I have loved you. Now remain in my love. If you keep my commands, so obedience. If you keep my commands, you will remain in my love just as I have kept my father's commands and remain in his love. I've told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. I just wanna pause here for a moment because too often um, when we think of what it would mean to live this surrendered life to Jesus, we think of, oh, it means I no longer have fun, <laughs> right? Like, oh, I gotta follow all those rules. Here's what Jesus says. He says, listen, when you have this abiding relationship in me, it actually leads to complete joy. To be fully human, fully alive, to fully experience peace. It's found in this abiding relationship with Jesus. It's not found out there, it's found in this relationship. My command is this, love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this to lay down one's life for one's friends. Jesus is about to go to the cross. He's gonna demonstrate this. You're my friends if you do what I command. 
I no longer call you servants, doulos, which is servant or slave, because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I have called you friends for everything that I learned from my father, I have made known to you. Jesus says, I, I have fully revealed, I've taught you, I'm not holding anything back, I'm not treating you in a subservient role. Instead, I've included you into the family of God and you can now be friends with Jesus. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you so that you might go and bear fruit, fruit that will last. And so that whatever you ask in my name, the Father will give you. This is my command, love each other. So here's what I'd like to do. I wanna take a few minutes and I wanna walk through just the three different elements um, in this beautiful picture of what it means to be in relationship with Jesus. The father who's the gardener, the son who is the vine, and then us who are branches. And we're gonna spend the most part time on the first two, okay? So let's talk a little bit about this idea that the father is the gardener. The father is the gardener. So if you were listening to this originally, you were Jewish, you were very familiar with the Old Testament. Here's the first thing that would hit you. Human history, as far as we know it, according to the Bible, started where? In a garden, in a garden. Started in a garden where there, there, there's harmony and where there was true intimacy between the creator, the father, and his people. So much so that they walked with God in the garden. There was this closeness. And then that is tragically interrupted in chapter three of Genesis, the third chapter in the Bible, when human beings, because they've chosen autonomy, they've chosen to do their own thing, be their own gods, they are kicked out of the garden. And the Bible says they're driven east. East is always into the, it's a Hebrew thought. It's tovu vavohu. It's the, the waste in the wild, the chaos. And outside of the garden is where life is really difficult. Genesis 3 says, listen, work's going to be tough. There's going to be disease. There's going to be isolation and loneliness from God. There's going to be the development of religions trying to fix what has been lost. And so human beings for thousands of years are walking outside of the garden which means you, you have this sense of, I know God's there and I know life was supposed to be different, but this is the reality that I face and you, you struggle. And so what Jesus does, is he says, listen, if you wanna understand what a relationship with me is, I've come to reestablish a new garden. One that you're not kicked out of. One where the gardener is once again involved. And so the gardener, the father, even though there aren't many verses specifically about him, the gardener oversees the overall health and vitality. He walks through the garden and he, he knows where there's a lack of nutrients. He's, he's intimately involved. This is what Jesus is giving us, that he's intimately involved with every branch. He's not some distant, aloof creator, but he's engaged in this world and he's looking at your life and he knows where something is lacking. He, he realizes there's more potential there. And then we're told that the father does these two extraordinary things. Number one, the father as the gardener is involved in the pruning process, the pruning process. So pruning, I think is really hard for us to understand. I currently, Jen and I were out, we have an apple tree in our yard and apparently I have not pruned it for a long time. And for some reason, this was an exceptional year for apples. 
And most like really large branches have broken under the weight of the apples. And so I realized what I'm gonna have to do is in order to make this tree healthy again, I'm gonna have to prune some things back. And so pruning often, it, like it seems like, man, I don't wanna get pruned. That sounds like it'll hurt. Cause it does, <laughs> right? Initially it hurts. So the father is pruning and here's why he's pruning. He's not pruning, it's not discipline. Okay, discipline is when I make a mistake or I'm specifically disobedient and I'm rebellious and then I face the consequences of my decision. Pruning hurts, but pruning is always meant to help. Pruning is meant to enhance, to make something more fruitful. So the Father is looking at your life, at our lives. And we might think, man, that is a beautiful green leafy part of my life. I love it. Look at that. And the father he says, you know, that is like kind of leafy and shady, but it's not fruitful. The father knows who you can be and who he designed us to be. And the father says then, um, hey, I know you're really proud of that big long branch, but that is actually interfering with you being who I designed you to be. And so I need you to hold on for a minute and I'm gonna cut that off. And I'm not doing it because I'm upset at you. It's not punitive. It's not meant to harm you. Any pruning is meant to enhance, to help, to eventually bring more fruitfulness. So Jesus says, this is what I need you to think about. I need you to think about a father who's engaged in your life and he cares so much so much that individually, I mean, there are billions of people to watch over, right? But Jesus says he is so engaged. He knows your life. He knows my life. He knows the things in my life that I may not see as an issue or something that's inhibiting me, but, but the father knows. And he says, hey, can you trust me? I'm gonna take that away. And I know you can't see what could one day be here but let me remove that so that something more beautiful, more vital, more fruitful can grow in its place. So the father oversees the health of the garden and he's involved in the pruning of our lives. Now pruning, like we wanna run from it, right? Like, no, don't take that away. That's what makes me secure. And the father says, but there's a better way, better way. Now there's one other thing that the father does that actually has been the most troubling part of this passage for me. Okay, I wanna go back to that first verse where we read this, that the, he cuts off every branch in me. So here, here's what I've always like struggled with. Okay, these are branches that are in him. So they're already re abiding or remaining, but he cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit. And then he prunes ones that do bear fruit. Why? For more fruitfulness. So why would he cut off? So this is a really interesting word in the Greek. Um, it's, it's the word ero, ero. And it's used 101 times in the Greek New Testament. And this is the only time it's ever translated to cut off, to cut off. So here's what ero means, um, three meanings. It means to remove, to cut off, or, or to lift up, to lift up. And I think understanding this in context, understanding what vineyards look like uh, 2,000 years ago, it, I think what Jesus is saying, he's gonna lift up every branch that needs to be lifted up off the ground. Let me show you a picture. This is a, this is a, a, 
a grapevine. And this is how grapevines naturally grow. Did you know that you almost, almost never find wild grapes? Because wild grapes always, unless they're in the perfect place against a tree, they will always grow laterally. And as these vines go out laterally, they will not produce grapes because one, there's a lack of sunlight, and two, when they're on the ground, they develop fungus. And the fungus will always inhibit the development of good fruit. And so human beings, long, long time ago, learned to cultivate vines, especially grapevines. And so what do you have to do? Here it is in the background. You take the branch or the vine and you have to lift up, ero, you have to lift up the branches so they're away from the ground because when they're laying on the ground, they don't produce anything. And my thought as I'm thinking through this passage, I think that Jesus is saying, you can trust the Father for these two things. One is he is committed to developing your life. He's committed to fruitfulness in your life. And two, there are aspects of my life that are way too close to the ground. Like I'm in a place where there's not enough sunlight and there's too much, too much fungus, right? And so the father, Ero, he lifts these branches up, up to a place where they're healthy. That's part of the commitment of a work of the Father in our lives. Is that this part of you is growing and it's, but it'll never be fruitful because it's too close to the ground. Let me elevate that. Let me bring that up to a place of health where you're not susceptible to that same disease that has been rampant in your life all of this time. So the work of the Father, who's the gardener, he prunes, he lifts up, he's committed to your spiritual health, to my spiritual health. Now, secondly would be Jesus, the work of Jesus. And Jesus is the vine. Jesus is the vine. And as we read through this, there's all these things that Jesus says he's done is divine, but he initiates it by saying, I am the true vine. I'm the true vine. Now, why does Jesus say he's the true vine? Here's why. Throughout the Old Testament, so the ancient Hebrew scriptures, Israel, the nation of Israel is used, uh, the, the vine metaphor is used multiple times to describe Israel. And I've just written a few of them down. Uh, Isaiah chapter five, Isaiah chapter seven, I, Jeremiah chapter two, chapter 12, Ezekiel 15, Ezekiel 17, Ezekiel 19. Over and over, God says to his people, he's like, okay, you're like a vine, but here's the problem. Most of the time he's saying, you're like the vine, but you're not producing any fruit. Or you're like a vine, but you've let somebody trample you down. And he wants Israel to be a healthy vine. So Jesus, as he's speaking to his disciples, says this, I am the true vine. These are 12 Jewish young men who are listening and they've always considered themselves the vine. And Jesus is saying, you do not find a healthy relationship with your creator in just being a certain type of person genetically. He's drawing them away from a trust in nationalism and he's saying, listen, to really thrive, to be in a new garden that God is recreating, I'm the vine, Jesus says. You're not the vine. I am the true vine. In fact, the second temple which existed during Jesus' life built by Herod 
over the holy of holies, this most holy place, carved into it out of the um, marble was this huge trellis of a vine to represent Israel and it was covered in gold. And Jesus is saying, you as the people haven't been able to be the vine, but I've come to be the true vine. And what does the true vine do? Well, I'll just go through some of these quickly. He says, I as the vine abide in you. I love this. So I understand like multiple times Jesus said, you need to abide in me. But Jesus says, and here's what I'll do. I abide in the father and then I am going to abide in you. So this relationship with Jesus isn't just you figuring out how to abide. It's Jesus saying, I want to abide in you. I'm committed to connecting with you. So he abides in us, he abides in the Father, he loves us. He says, I want you to love each other just the way I loved you. Jesus as the vine loves humanity. He, He keeps his Father's commands. And then he says, and I want you to keep my commands. He reveals truth to his disciples. The vine is helping us to understand the complexities of life, all the confusion we face, the falsities that we so easily fall for. He says, I want to reveal to you everything that the Father taught me. As the vine, I wanna teach the branches. I don't want you to be in the dark. I don't want you to be overcome by misunderstandings. I want to give you revelation. He speaks truth that cleanses us and he provides a brand new commandment. Twice, Jesus emphasizes this. He says, I'm gonna give you this commandment. Now, if you were hearing this and when Jesus originally spoke it, you'd be like, whoa, 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 not one more commandment because we have like 656 commandments. So the Old Testament has well over 600 commandments and some of them are like overwhelming. Israel has never been able to keep all the commandments. That was part of it to show that they're gonna need a new vine. They couldn't be the vine. Now, there's a few commandments that like I've never violated. Let me give you an example. Deuteronomy says, do not eat bats. (laughs) Okay, like the flying rodents. Anybody ever been tempted, right? No, like that, that one doesn't even tempt me. But then unfortunately there are hundreds of them that are really challenging for me to keep right? About my heart and about worshiping nothing else and just about being honest. And so Jesus is saying this, he's saying, I'm going to give you one new command. And he's actually elevating this command above all else. This is in this new garden that I'm creating. And this new dynamic where the father is once again, walking through humanity, nurturing lives, where I am now able to feed and sustain you. Here's the new command. It's to love one another the way that I have loved you. And we as the branches, we as the branches are asked to obey. We're asked to bear fruit. We're asked to love. So what is fruit, right? Jesus says, I want you to bear fruit. Fruit will last. And he says, apart from me, you can do nothing, nothing. And too often when we describe what it means to be a follower of Jesus, we describe being a producer of fruit. Like, okay, you're gonna follow Jesus. Now you're gonna like, like everybody. You're gonna be nice all the time. Stop cussing. Jesus says this, "I I want you to think of this differently. I do not want you to focus on bearing fruit. That is not my job. 
If I just sit around and try to bear fruit, it'll be like, okay, this week, I'm gonna be nice to everybody. I'm gonna try so hard. That's not the point of Christianity. Here's what Jesus is saying. I want you to be so invested in abiding in the vine. I want you to remain in me. I want you to graft yourself. You ever seen things that are grafted? You can cut a branch off of one tree and put it onto another and it, it, it abides. So this is the Greek word meno, meno, which we translate abide or remain. He says, I want you to become grafted in me because without me, you can do nothing. You're that dry branch that's eventually gonna fall to the ground, but I want you to have a fruitful life. I want you to have a life of obedience. I want you to have a life of love and you do not produce that by yourself. This is what Jesus asks us to do, remain, abide. Disengage yourself from the other things that you look to for hope, life, sustenance, and turn to me. And as you, as you abide in me, here's what happens. The Father begins to nurture your life, to lift you up, to prune you back. Jesus, the vine, teaches, guides, fills, empowers, and without you even knowing it, your life begins to produce fruit. What is fruit? From this text, there's two things. There's one, I'm obedient to Jesus. I begin to put aside my autonomy, my rebellion, and like me being my own God. I, I obey his commands. And then fruit is love. When I'm connected to the vine, I begin to become more and more like the vine. And he produces things in me that I, I can't produce in and of myself. And here's why Jesus wants them to be so fruitful. He, he, doesn't, he doesn't want them to think, okay, here's what I do. Like the entire Old Testament was like, what do I do? What do I do? Jesus says, I don't want you to ask that question first. In this new dynamic, this garden that I'm creating, connect with me. Let the Father do his work in your life. And let me produce fruit in your life. Fruit is so important. This is not just a philosophical understanding of the afterlife. He says, this is a, a engaged, biological, organic relationship with me. And as that happens, the things that human beings have never been able to do in their life miraculously are accomplished. Through an abiding, nurturing, remaining relationship with the vine. It's a new garden. It's a new garden where human beings aren't responsible for creating their own fruit. Instead, they're invited into this incredibly intimate, simple, and yet profound relationship. And maybe you've been wondering, you're spiritually unresolved, you've been asking yourself, like, what does it mean? Like, what, what are the 42 things I have to believe? What do I have to do to be a follower of Jesus? Here's how Jesus would answer that through John chapter 15. Find your hope in me. Disconnect from the other things. Abide in me. Let something of my life begin to flow into you. For all of us who've been around a while, sometimes um, our 
faith can become so complex and so systematized. Just hear this. Hear Jesus speaking to you. Abide in me and let me abide in you. Let my Father prune you and lift you so that you have a life that is full of complete joy and full of fruitfulness where you love like Jesus loved. Will you pray with me? Father, we invite the work of the gardener into our lives. It's so easy to focus on cosmetic issues. We wanna look better, we wanna look the part. And here's what the Father promises. Out of love, he'll prune back the things that could be better, that could be more fruitful. Now, so Lord, would you lift us? Would you prune us? Jesus, we abide in you. And as we abide in you, hold on. We find our hope and our sustenance in you and you alone. Would the flow of life, the divine life of Jesus begin to flow in us? And would our lives be fruitful? Would the fruit be the result, the byproduct of an abiding relationship in Jesus? You choose to abide in us. We abide in you. We hope that this helps you take your next step on your spiritual journey. If you'd like to get involved with the work and ministry of Faith Chapel, visit faithchapel.cc and click on Next Steps. If you'd like to speak to a pastor or connect with us in any way, email connect at faithchapel.cc. We look forward to connecting with you soon.